Thank you, Hunter. Thank you, uh, Rachel, for helping us with worship today and leading us so, so gratefully. Um, <clears throat> wow, that's a great song for ending up 2022, knowing that God will hold us fast. And for many of you, it may not have felt much like that during 2022. Um, I don't know what kind of how your New Year's has started off. Uh, watching some of you come in today, um, I would say that maybe last year wasn't, I don't know how last year was, but last, but last night might have been rough for some of you. So um, that's okay. That's all right. We're, uh, you guys made it here to church today, and a lot of people didn't, so I hope you guys are watching us online today. Um, I do want to talk about um, moving forward <clears throat> in the new year. And uh, again, I said I don't know how, how your uh, New Year's was, but uh, I want to share with you a quick story about the very worst, the very worst New Year's Eve I ever had, okay, uh, and New Year's Day. So as many of you know, I, I used to run a youth conference, and it was New Year's, it was uh, the Christmas holidays, the end of the year in 1998, and we just had the largest youth conference we'd ever had. Over 5,100 students showed up at this conference a day, and it just went great. It was in Sacramento. Everything was beautiful. Now, when I worked that conference, I would put in 16, 17-hour days, and I would just be exhausted by that time. So we're in Sacramento, and my kids were uh, uh, 7 and 8 at that time, but my mother-in-law lived about 30 miles outside of Sacramento. So everybody had gone home New Year's Eve. Conference ended at noon on New Year's Eve. It took me till about seven o'clock to get for all stuff to get packed up and everything. And I shipped our kids off to our, to our, my mother-in-law's 30 miles away. Because one of the beauty, beautiful things about doing this conference is it was the only time of the year I got a, like a really nice hotel room, okay? I mean, this hotel room had, it, okay, the hotel room had a doorbell on it. When you get a hotel room with a doorbell, you know, you're get, and it was a double door opening, fully decorated Christmas tree in it, baby grand piano. Now, this was, this was free for, because I was doing this conference, all right? So this is like the only time I get that kind of, otherwise I'm like motel five and a half most of the time, all right? That kind of thing. So, uh, and my wife and I were looking for sleeping in. Hotel said we have a late checkout. We were, we were fine. We were great. Hotel had a great breakfast buffet. We are going to go like 10 minutes before it closed and just get, you know, and so we just thought it was going to be great. 6 a.m. my phone rings. I am dead to the world. I am still just exhausted. It's my mother-in-law. Your son is sick. He's throwing up. Come get him. Now, Donna, my mother-in-law, if you're listening, okay, I appreciate you. Were, you were wonderful, and I'm not trying to say anything evil about you, okay? Um, uh, I might have thought it at the time, but all right, you're a wonderful woman, okay, so don't, don't hear that. But So we get up, check out of the hotel. There goes the end of the 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 you know, rest we we're going to have, and we start driving out to pick up my kids, knowing one of them was sick. On the way there, my mother-in-law calls and says, my other daughter is sick and throwing up. Can you just get her and take her to the hospital? I'll watch your kids. So we divert, go pick up my sister-in-law, take her to the hospital to find out what's wrong with her, drop her off the hospital. When she's in there and being seen, we drive out to get our kids. On the way back, my daughter gets car sick and starts throwing up. I remember she's on the side of the road, seven years old, throwing up. I remember turning to the family and going, I am the alpha male in this family, and I forbid anyone else to throw up today. 
Well, we go through the whole story. We got everything worked out, but it's like 3 o'clock in the afternoon now on New Year's Eve, and we are finally getting ready to leave Sacramento. One of the things that year I decided to give my people a break because we're finishing New Year's Eve, I drove the truck that had, to, had all our equipment in it. So I pick up this 14-foot U-Haul truck and start driving back to Fresno at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. My wife's driving the van with the two kids, and in it is our offering from the, from the thing, which included like three Kentucky Fried Chicken bucks, buckets full of change. My wife takes a corner too fast, the change spills out into the van. We have to stop and pick up all this of God's money out of the van to do this, so we're just like beside ourselves. Then the truck runs on diesel, and we can't find a diesel place open on New Year's Eve. We were almost out of gas. It was so bad. And so by the time we got home, my wife is in the car, in the, driving the van, and she is in tears. We pull into home about 10 o'clock at night and just like, forget it. We're just went straight to bed. The next morning, I get up because I have to unload the truck by myself because I was a nice boss and didn't want any of my people to show up on New Year's Day to unload the truck. I go out to my office all by myself, unload the truck, and go to return it to U-Haul. As I'm waiting, as I finish at U-Haul, I call my wife and say, come pick me up. She goes, I can't pick you up right now. I'm, at the, I'm headed to the ER with our son. He's still very sick. Found out later he has something called Kawasaki disease, which both of my kids wound up having. Very dangerous. Kids can die from it, okay? I just remember that was like the worst New Year's Eve and New Year's Day I'd ever had in my life, okay? And so I just share that to say, now some of you, there's some of you, I bet there's somebody in the room right now going like, that's your worst? Oh, let me tell you, I'm sure. I'm sure there is somewhere. But, um, but for most of you, that's probably like, whew, we didn't deal with any of that. It's going to be okay, all right? But no matter whether your 2022 was good or whether your 2022 was bad, okay, or as bad as mine started off that year, today we're going to talk about what to do as we look forward to the new year. And we're going to look at, um, I think we're looking at Philippians chapter 3, okay? We're going to look at a few verses, verses 13 and 14, just two verses. I think we've got them on the screen right here. All right, so this is Paul writing to the people. Now, two weeks ago when I preached, we were in Galatians. Today we're in Philippians. I know some of you that are using, using hard, you may have trouble finding those little books in the Bible. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. I'm going to give you a little, this is a freebie, okay? All right, here's how to find those books in the Bible. If you can find any one of them, just remember this. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, G-E-P-C. So George eats popcorn, Okay or George Eats Pork Chops, or General Electric Power Company, however you remember that. But if you remember that, G-E-P-C, then you can find, if you can find one of those books of the Bibles, then you know which one to turn to next, okay? So we're going to go to Popcorn, chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, as Paul writes to the church at Philippi. And he says, Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, no matter what 2022 was for anybody here in this room or watching, we still recognize that it was a gift from you. And Father, we know that, I'm sure, Father, that everyone in this room had some good times, had some bad times. And Father, we believe with all our heart that you were with us in the good times and that you were there with us in the bad times. And as it was said once, you may whisper to us in our joys, but you shout to us in our sorrows. 
So, Father, help us look back on 2022 and take heart in the joys and the sorrows. But help us also not only process that, but look forward to 2023 to take advantage of all the joys and all the sorrows that you allow to happen in our life. For we know that you have an upward call for us in Christ Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. All right, let's talk about what Paul is saying here, right there. There's, there's three things I think we can get out of this passage here. The first thing that Paul says is, we need to forget the good things in the past. Now, when I say forget, I don't mean pretend like they never happened. We have things we can learn from from that. But when I say forget them, it's not to dwell on them, not to live on them. So when he says forgetting what lies behind, he means that's not my focus. It's not that I've forgotten all about it, but like a runner, I'm not looking back at those things I'm looking ahead. Because you've all seen, listen, with the, with the advent of YouTube, you can all find videos of somebody that's ahead in a race by, by several yards, and they look back and they stumble, or they slow down, and then they lose the race, okay? So you all know you cannot look back. You just can't do that at all. But Paul is writing here. He's writing, let's get the background of what he's looking at. He's writing to defend against what was called the Judaizers. These were Jews who said that Christians also had to become Jewish to follow Christ. Now remember, at, at this, and we're going to see this more in the book of Acts as we look at it, but at that time, Christianity and Judaism were really tied together. And there were some people who said, no, to be a Christian, you still have to be a Jew first. Jew is just, a Christian is just Jew 2.0. And so you still have to follow all the Jewish rules. And Paul is saying, that's not right. And he says, and if there's anybody <clears throat> that can tell you, you don't need to be Jewish, it's going to be me. And in verses 5 and 6, we're not going to look at those now, but in the same chapter, in verses 5 and 6, he mentions several reasons why he would be considered to be the epitome of a good Jew. And here's some of the things that he said. First, he said, I was circumcised on the eighth day. Now, that was according to the Jewish law, that at eight years old, they took him and circumcised him. <clears throat> now, I don't think we have any kids in here, but if we do and you don't know what circumcision is, just ask your parents, okay? That's just let them explain, all right? So he said, I was, I was circumcised on the eighth day. So we followed the law, even from a child. I was of the tribe of Benjamin. Now here's the cool thing about that. The tribe of Benjamin was one of only two of the 12, well, really 13 tribes that, um, that had stayed true to God as far as being a part of the tribe of uh, the, 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 the country of Judah when the country split in two. Judah and Benjamin were the ones that could really say, we stayed more faithful. And so being in the tribe of Benjamin was really important. A bit that Paul said, I can trace my lineage all the way back to Benjamin. He called himself a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He's like, baby, if there's anybody that's Jewish, it's me. Don't you ever forget that. He said, I was zealous for the law. And we know he was zealous for the law because he used to persecute Christians that didn't want to be Jewish. He said, I was a Pharisee. Now, we hear about Pharisees all the time, and we, we feel like, it seems like everybody, you know, like you, every time you turned over a rock, there was a Pharisee. There were really only about 6,000 Pharisees, what we know from other Jewish, other Jewish sources. Only about 6,000 Pharisees in all of Judaism at that point. And so to be a Pharisee was actually a pretty big deal, and Paul said, I was a Pharisee. In fact, we believe Paul was not, not only a Pharisee, but he was also part of the Sanhedrin that he was part of the ruling council at one point, or at least closely tied to them, and that was run by the Sadducees, another group mainly, so there were very few Pharisees who were actually part of the Sanhedrin also, or that ruling council. And so Paul 
had, was able to get along with both of those things, he said, like, man, uh, you talk about any, any, any corner of Judaism, I had it covered. In fact, Paul even referred to himself as, it says, in respect to righteousness, I was blameless. Okay, guys, you've got to realize what gall that is for somebody to say, in respect to righteousness in Jewish life, I was blameless. Because, you know, they had 632 different Sabbath laws that they wound up following and stuff. You know, there were laws that said, basically, if you had a, now, this was a strict interpretation, but there were some people that said, on the Sabbath, if you, got, if you had a flea that bit you, you couldn't scratch it because that would be hunting, and hunting was illegal on the Sabbath day. I mean, that's how strict some of these people were with their Jewish laws. And Paul said, boy, you put me up against anybody, they would say, yep, he's got it handled. He's cool. Paul says, if there's anybody that could say, you can be Jewish, it would be me. He had a lot of good things going for him. But then he says, goes to say, but in view of, of who Christ is, those things were rubbish. Here's what he said in verses 7 and 8. He says, but whatever things were gained to me, whatever things were positive, I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. In other words, it's something I'm willing to give up as lost for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things in view of the surpassing, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ my Lord. Now that word loss, some of you know this already, okay? But that word loss, the Greek word is actually the word for food waste or it was also the word they used for human excrement. So here's what, in the Bible, now again, Paul didn't know he was writing the Bible at the time. He thought he was, he, the Holy Spirit didn't tell him in advance this was going to be in the Bible. But, at least not to, not to my knowledge. But basically said, all that stuff about being a good Jew, being a Pharisee, being blameless of the law, being circumcised, being the town of Benjamin, compared to knowing Jesus, that's poop. There, I said it from the pulpit, okay? So if anybody wants to, you know, e- e- you know email and complain, info at fresnochurch.com, and you can complain that I said that I said that from the pulpit, but that's what he basically said. I'll say it again. All that is just poop compared to knowing Jesus. I don't count any of that as making me anything special. That stuff that I have forgot what lies behind, that's not my focus. Man, aren't we just horrible as people sometimes of focusing on the wrong things? All right? If I wish I could count the number of times, because there's too many to count, count the number of times that my daughter's told me something and I fed it back to her and she says, that's what you got out of that? In other words, that's just a, her way of saying, Daddy, dearest, you did not focus on the right thing there, okay? Um, I remember one time in college, I was um, walking, scrambling up a, a bank, you know, uh, walking through some spot, and I stumbled on some old bottles that looked really old to me. And I thought, man, I found, maybe found some old bottles that were worth something. I took a look at it, and I, I started looking at things. I took them back to my apartment and cleaned them up and looked and realized as I cleaned them up that these were old bottles, but they were only like 40 or 50 years old. I had stumbled into somebody's garbage dump. That was all it was. And I thought I had something valuable there, and it was basically garbage. They weren't that old. They were just dirty and worn. So what do we take out of this? As we start a new year, there may have been things in 2022 that you thought made you pretty cool, that there were great things that happened. And that's, that's great. If you had good times in 2022, man, I'm glad for you. All right? So good news, that was a good year for you. Bad news, it's over. 
it's gone. And most of it is gonna be forgotten in one way or another. In fact, I'll even prove it to you right now. Can anybody tell me who in 20, what movie won Best Picture in 2022? Anybody? I'm asking. No, it was a movie called Coda. I don't even remember it. It was a movie called Coda. That won Best Picture in 2022. All right. Uh, who got the Grammy for Best Record of the Year? Anybody know? Again, again, I'm an old guy, so I don't, know, I don't even know the band or the group. It was Silk Sonic for the song Leave the Door Open. I could not tell you what it is. Anybody ever heard of that? I, have you guys know that song? I have no, but you didn't know it won Best, it won best Record, did you? All right. Um, which team won the NCAA basketball championship last year? It's Kansas. See, nobody remembers. Nobody cares. All right, let's just try this. Who was Time's Person of the Year for last year? That was, that was just a month ago that they mentioned that. Does anybody know? Anybody? It was. It was, it was Zelensky. All right. So it was Zelensky. All right. How about last year, though? Do you remember who it was last year? No, that was a year ago. Elon Musk. You're looking. Are you looking it up? Are you? There's always a troublemaker. That's why his teachers make students put their phones away. See, that's what, I cannot believe you got, oh my gosh. All right, there's troublemakers in every church, three or four in ours, but that's okay. Well, here's what I just want to say from that. Athletes, actors, musicians, politicians, these are just the few people that we idolize. But even their accomplishments quickly fade. And it's that way with most of the things that we perceive as good. All the great things that may have happened to you don't make you a great person in God's eyes. Paul said that in spite of the great things in the past, he still hasn't arrived, and he still has a long way to go, just like we do. And um, one of the biggest struggles that churches have sometimes is not getting past their glory days. And I can always tell that church, and I'm thankful, I have not heard that a lot at this church. I've heard it some, and that's going to be normal. But, but this church is not living its glory days. I remember people saying, I remember when we used to have a thousand people show up in this room. Like, no, I don't think we ever did, but okay, if that's what you remember, that's fine. And I remember we had a baptism service, and we must have baptized 40 people, you know, or that kind of thing. But, uh, or even the things like, I remember we did this or that and those great things. It's great to remember those, but to live in those days is what harms a church. And there's a, there's a business consultant, Joel Barker, and he said this, I think we've got his quotes up here. This is Joel Barker. He wrote a book called The Business of Paradigms. And here's what he said. The past, let me see if I get this right, quote it here. The past guarantees you nothing in the future if the rules change. Man, haven't the rules changed like every year or three or four times in the years as we move forward? The rules, have the rules of church have changed, of how we do things of how what people will, will do in church. And then he goes on to say this, your successful past will block your visions of the future. Your successful past will block your visions of the future. And so if our church is going to move forward to a successful future, we do have to let go of some of the past. All right? We do have to let go of that. And I think this church has done a good job of that, but New Year's is a good time to remember that, that the past is never coming back. The past is never coming back, nor do we want it to come back. Nor do we want it. I'll give you a quick example. 
you know, we haven't had a business meeting in a while. We'll have one soon to present our budget for this year. But, um, but I remember back in the day growing up, I remember sitting at a business meeting one time, and we voted a church larger than this, actually, and we had a business meeting to vote on whether to change the brand of sprinkler heads that, that we used, all right? And that was just considered normative back then. Right now, if, if we had a business meeting, somebody brought that up, oh, I would lose it. <laughs> I would lose it. I would just go, do we not have somebody in charge of that? Do we not have a building its grounds or something in charge of that? Do we have a budget for that? Then, then those people are already empowered to go fix it. Don't waste my time and this church's time with that thing anymore. That's how the rules have changed. And they're going to continue to change some as we keep going. So we've got to let go of good things in the past. But Paul also says that we have to let go of the bad things in the past. Now, Paul did not mention many of the bad things in the past here. I think that wasn't Paul's nature to mention a lot of that. But he did mention one. He says in verse 6 that he was a persecutor of the church. All right, that trumps everything else. All the mistakes that I've made this year, I never you know, turned one Christian over to the authorities and had them killed, you know, or anything like that. I was never watching somebody get stoned to death. I never hunted anybody down for following Jesus, that kind of thing. So Paul only mentions one thing, but I have to admit, it trumps all the other bad stuff that I've done in my life. I will, I will admit that. He says in 1 Timothy 1.15, he makes this statement. It's a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. Wow. And I've wondered sometimes whether Paul was just being, using hyperbole, exaggerating, but then I think of some of the things that Paul did. And I have to say that in Paul's mind, he probably truly felt that. How, do you, how would you live through that knowing that, that I used to be so against God that I killed people who wanted to follow him? Wow. And then to wind up leading that church that you persecuted so much. That had to be tough. I imagine that Paul had many things in his past he'd like to forget. Bad things that he did, bad things that happened to him. He's mentioned those many times. There were, there were other times even after that, not only him being bad, but, you know, how many times he was shipwrecked, how many times he was beaten, how many times he was imprisoned, how many times he was, he was slandered. Um, but Paul discovered that through Jesus, he could forget those too. And again, forget doesn't mean that you never think about it again. That's impossible. We have hurts that we're going to, that for some of us will never go away. You know, sadly for me, most of the hurts in my life that will never go away are ones that were self-inflicted. So I guess I'm blessed with that. I have, I have nobody to forgive but me in most of these. But here's what he's saying. He says, God wants us to learn from the good in the past and the bad in the past, but not to rely on it not to continue to live there. Don't actively call it to memory. You guys have probably heard the story of the lady who was to, to her friend that said basically, hey, I just want to apologize again to what I did, you know, last year with so-and-so, and the lady says, no, I, I don't know what you're talking about. It. She goes, surely you remembered it. It hurt you so bad, and you were so upset. She goes, I don't remember. She said, you've got to remember it. She goes, no, I distinctly remember forgetting that. And so sometimes we have to be that kind of thing, to distinctly remember forgetting those things, not dwelling in them, not letting them control them, but moving forward. Now, guys, there were some bad things for our church in 2021, 2022, some painful things. 
I, I don't even know if I want to say bad things necessarily, but painful, painful things. In my work with churches, I worked as a church consultant for years before coming here as your interim, and I can tell you I've worked with churches that, well, I always like the, the phrase, re, re, uh, paraphrase Billy Crystal or quote Billy Crystal from The Princess Bride where he says, I've seen voice, okay? I've seen voice. Um, that um, I've, been a, I've been in a church, moderate, went to moderate a business meeting for a church where I saw one man slap another guy full on in the face, two adult men. I've seen churches where people were just shaking like this in anger at each other. I've been in churches where the treasurer of the church got up to leave after the music portion of it. When I stood up to speak, he made a big show of standing up and leaving and walking out. And um, I've been, I, I've seen horrible things. I've seen churches that have had to close their doors because they made so many mistakes that couldn't have, some that they've made themselves. One church had to close its doors because the, um, the uh, twice somebody on staff had, um, had committed a, an egregious sin and the church now had a reputation and they finally just had to say, we cannot continue to minister to this community in this form. We're going to disband, you know, and take our, take our punishment as that and our people will go to other churches and we'll restart ministry there. And as we look at 2022, I say, I have a lot of things I'd love to forget that were bad in 2022. It's been a tough year for my family. And many of you can identify with these things. My father-in-law and my brother-in-law passed away this year. I've had three pa pastor friends here in California that passed away from cancer. I have uh, three more that are dealing with cancer right now. Two are in active, heavy treatments at this point. Um, I've had a lot of struggles in my family, many missed opportunities that will never come again. And many of the things in the recent past that are bad, they're both bad things I've done and bad things that have happened to me, as with Paul. But this passage shows me that God can teach me through that and move me forward. And that I need to process those things. Ask forgiveness, learn where I can learn from that. Heal any relationships I can heal. And then let it go and move forward into the future. And while this passage doesn't directly address it, this is a good time at the new year for you to note any mistakes you've made this year and ask God to help you overcome them. And I want to encourage you right now to spend some time in prayer asking, are there people from whom I need forgiveness? Now, you can't make them forgive you, but you can request it. You can demonstrate repentance. You can demonstrate change. And there are people for whom, from whom I need forgiveness that I need to work on this year, and I promise you I will be working toward that. Some of these people are not ready to forgive me, and some may never, okay? Again, I'm thinking particularly of one church I worked with, but we won't go into that. I should have said that. Take that out of the tape, if you can, out of the recording. Sorry. Um, that was bad. Sorry, Lord, and church. Um, So if there are people you need to ask forgiveness from, make the decision today to say, I will look for that opportunity to ask for forgiveness. If you need forgiveness from God, boy, there's the easy one. He is already willing to do that. In fact, in Jesus, he has already forgiven you 
You just need to ask for it and accept it. That's the great thing. He's already forgiven you. But again, go to him separately and say, just like you were the friend, God, when I did this, that hurt you. It may have hurt others around me too, and I'll deal with that, but that hurt you, God. That kind of sin is the same stuff that sent Jesus to the cross. And I'm sorry that I hurt you. I was wrong when I did that. I don't want to do that anymore. And I'm asking not only your forgiveness, but your help that I not do those kinds of things again. That's what it needs to be for you. If you need to forgive, your, forgive others yourself, look for opportunities to do that. And you know what? Just like God, you don't have to wait for other people to ask forgiveness to have the forgiveness attitude in your heart. Now, do, can they receive your forgiveness without you guys talking about it and doing it? Probably not. Maybe. I don't know how people's hearts work all the time. But you can go ahead and have that heart attitude right now that you will distinctly remember forgetting and forgiving. And you can do that without them. And then maybe God will bless you this year with the opportunity for you to express that forgiveness. Sometimes it will need to be in words. Sometimes it might be in action depending on the relationship. But you know what? If you do that part in your heart, you're free from that transaction then. You're free from being locked by what happened in the past, even if they're not ready to receive your forgiveness. And then, are there things for which you need to forgive yourself? Are there things for which you need to forgive yourself? You can ask God for help with that too. He'll help you understand. You know, there's certain times that I've realized I've had trouble forgiving myself for something, and I've had God say to me, I forgave you of that. Do you think you're better than me? I can forgive you for that. What gives you the right to not forgive yourself for it? That's not who I raised you to be. That's not who I called you to be. I called you to be a person of forgiveness and include yourself in it. Boy, I sound like I'm angry, don't I? Because that's how I feel like God's saying it to me sometimes. And again, there may be bad memories even at this church that you need to let go of. Maybe a brother or, sister, brother or sister in this church has wronged you. Or you were overlooked for a leadership position that you thought you should have had. Or you weren't thanked for a ministry you led in or something you helped. Or something you did beside the scenes that went unnoticed. And yes, those things can all be really painful. But at some point, you have to let go of those things, offer forgiveness, and move forward. And there's no better time to do that than right now. And that moves us on to our last point. Not only do we let go of the things of the past, let go of the things, bad things of the past, let go of the good things of the past, but we need to move forward to God's future. Paul says, I do one thing. I forget the past, both good and bad, and I reach out to what lies ahead. The images are like a runner stretching for that finish line, and that's the image that he uses here. Keep pushing toward the goal that God has set for you in Christ Jesus. I don't think you guys need me to explain much with that, but I do have an illustration for it that I think is from one of the great theologians, though not a Christian, I think a great theologian, Shel Silverstein, one of his favorite poems of mine, called Melinda May. Have you heard of tiny Melinda May who ate a monstrous whale? She thought she could, she said she would, so she started right at the tail. And everyone said, you're much too small. 
But that didn't bother Melinda at all. She took little bites. She chewed very slow, just like a good girl should. And in 89 years, she ate that whale because she said she would. Wow. I don't think God will take 89 years. But the principle is the same. However long it takes, whatever it needs, let's set the things in motion right now to be able to move forward into God's future for us. And what is the goal that Paul had in mind when he talked, wrote about this? He mentions it in verse 10. He says, my goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Boy, isn't that a pleasant verse to start off the new year? You can say, we're going to look at 2023 and go, you know what? We're going to join Jesus in his sufferings and we're going to look like his death in some ways. Well, Paul could be a little bit of a drama queen sometimes, I think, but I think the point is still the same there. Our point is not just knowing stories about Christ. We're not here to know about Jesus. We're here to know him and become like him. To not just know the do's and don'ts of being a Christian. And boy, that's where really conservative churches messed up for years, I have to admit. We didn't know it at the time, but in the 50s, 60s, even 70s, it was all about doing the right things and not doing the wrong things. And that is important. But doing the, doing the right things, not doing the wrong things, if it's not coming from the heart, means nothing. But when we get the heart right, we'll do the right things and not do the wrong things. So the point is not behaving like a Christian. The point is being like Jesus. And that's the goal. In fact, if you have a resolution for this year, I hope you're one. It's, it's, it's vague, and you have to, you'll have to work it out with God throughout this year what it means in your everyday actions, but your resolution would be this year to be more like Jesus than you were last year. Whatever that might be for you. And trust me, the thing you struggle with the most, that's probably the thing you need to work on. <clears throat> you know, they say when you're, when you're having tasks, a lot of times we tend to do a lot of little easy tasks and leave the big, you know, the big main task alone. Uh-uh, it's the, the best thing to do is get that big main task out of the way. And so whatever it is that God's pointing out to you that like this is where you're most not like Jesus, deal with that one. If you get that handled this year, then New Year's Day 2024, you'll be able to look back and say, I am more like Jesus this year than I was last year. Oh, you'll still be able to say, there's way more I need to do to be like Jesus. But you'll see that you're on that journey like a runner. You finish the lap, you know. My daughter and I had uh, coffee this week, and I was trying to talk about ways that I've improved. She goes, that's great, Dad, but you're on mile two of the marathon, and your family's at mile 15 waiting to cheer you on, okay? So I can't stop at mile two. I got to keep going. That's the way it is. Um, so, wait a minute, I got to wrap this up. They have a time. Oh, my gosh. All right. Are you sure that timer's going the right speed there, Donna? Okay. All right, again, you guys have to listen faster. Um, okay, so let me just kind of get back to my message here. To know the power of his resurrection is what Paul talked about. Of all the power of all the nations, is there anything more powerful than bringing somebody back from the dead? No. And Jesus 
demonstrated his resurrection power and coming back to life himself. And that is the power he offers to us, that eternal life. Now, none of us will get our way as we move into God's future for our church. None of us will get our way all the time. None of us will be comfortable all the time. In fact, any time a church is growing and changing, it's uncomfortable. Um, think of it this way. Think about how your kids were when they were teething. That's a part of growth. Okay? Remember back to junior high and how everything felt awkward because it was, because that's a tremendous time of growth. And as we grow, we'll be uncomfortable. Um, you know, I have, a, I have an exercise app on my phone called Strava. Okay? And I use it when I do my bike rides. At the end of every bike ride, it asks me how comfortable was the ride. And if I check it was a comfortable ride, basically it doesn't give me much credit for it because it's like, if it didn't cause you some pain, you weren't growing, all right? That's the base of the idea. The more comfortable it was, the less benefit I got out of it health-wise. The more comfortable our change is, the less benefit we're gonna get out of it. And I know you don't wanna hear that from your preacher, but even though it's hard, I believe God's preferred future for us always is worth it. In fact, let me change that slide. I talked about looking forward to the future Okay, go to the next, I think the next slide there, yeah. We not want to move forward God's, God's preferred future for us. I like that phrase. God's preferred future. In 2023, I hope to help us move into it together. I'll be working with the church leadership to do it because we're in this together. Now, let's get to part of the hard part. In there, as you came in today, you should have gotten a handout that had a bunch of check boxes on it. If you don't have one of those, raise your hand and... Uh, Octavio's got some back there to give to you. So if you need one of them, raise your hand. Okay, we don't always do it. So Octavio, just kind of wander around and do that. I want to talk with you about that. This gets to our little application kind of stuff. If you're listening online and you would like one of these, just email us at info at fresnochurch.com and we will send you one. Oh, I didn't bring one up here, but I have it. I wrote it so I can, I, I, I have it memorized. So um, basically it's not for you to turn in. This is not for you. Um, Red, let me have one there if you've got a spare one, okay? So I can kind of show it to people here. All right, that's what it looks like. It's not for you to turn in. This is not, nobody's going to check with you. However, as we move forward, we may create a situation where you may have the opportunity to have an accountability person that will help you do this. But this is like, think of this like um, helping you set your own growth, spiritual formation. Everybody in this room is an adult or an adultlet, all right, pretty close to it. And, um, and you can make your own choices there. And so, just want you to kind of check through, I don't expect anybody, if you check all of these, then you're not paying attention to how difficult this is, okay? In fact, if you check one thing in every section, you're probably doing too much. Why don't you look through this and find two, maybe three, no more than four or five at the most. You say, this is what I want to work on next year. This is what I want to hold on to. And I want to use this next year to say, in this area, am I more like Jesus than I was before? And here's the beauty of this. If you want help with this, this is when you call the church or you email me and you say, Pastor, help me with this. Help me figure it out. Once we get our small groups going, your small group can help you with this to do that. But there's all sorts of different ways to do it. And so just want you to kind of think through that, pray through this list. In fact, if there's something else that God wants you to deal there's there's blanks here at the end for you to put there too and then just sign it and date it keep it you're not turning it into anybody this is between you and god but i'll encourage you if you have a close christian friend somebody who's mature christian that you can talk with about that you can say hey hold me accountable for this help me do what you need you know do call me on this 
help me focus on this. So remember, somewhere between two and five. Check off a few things that you want to do, okay? Now, I would have, this is a normally time on a, on a sermon like this, I would have an invitation time. But I'm not going to at this point because I want you to pray over this and think about it. I want you to take it seriously, okay? And if you don't like these examples, pick something else. But go before God and say, God, how can I be more like Jesus this year than next year? And I want you to remember, our goal is not to be like Jesus, because we're never going to hit that. Our goal for this year is to be more like Jesus. So in closing, I'm going to say, ask you again, what do you need to let go of your past, both good and bad, so that you can press forward toward the prize of God's calling in your life, a calling he has given to you through your relationship in Jesus. Take time and pray, asking God to reveal to you some of his calling for you in 2023. I want to close with this paraphrase of our passage today and a benediction. If you want to say it in a modern kind of phrase, brothers and sisters, we have not arrived at God's future for us yet. But one thing we must do, forget what lies in the past and reach forward like a runner stretching for the goal and let us press on toward the goal of being the church God has called us to be through Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we know that you have a future for this church, a beautifully planned future for this church. And Father, we just ask right now, and we trust right now that you will guide us toward that future. Father, we will follow your leadership no matter where it takes us. Father, if it takes us to a modern example of shipwrecks or beatings or imprisonments, if it takes us to any place where we're uncomfortable, Father, we will go there because we want to be more like Jesus. Thank you, Father, that he came not only as our Savior, but he came also as an example of a life totally yielded to you. And Father, whether this church grows to 300 next year or whether it stays right where it is, we just yield ourselves to minister in your name, to love people like Jesus loved, to love ourselves like Jesus loved, and to glorify and lift up the name of your son Jesus with our lives together. It's in Jesus' name we pray.